the Malik Willis and Will Levis show in the Tennessee Titans first preseason game that they can be the real deal. We talk about that and so much more coming up next here on this edition of Locked On NFL. You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another episode of the Locked On NFL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Monday. That means I'm your host here, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire. We're here, of course, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. And thank you for tuning in here and being a part of our show. We provide you daily NFL analysis Monday through Friday. And I appreciate everybody who's tuned in and making us your first listen each and every day on this show and for me this is a it's a milestone it's a new background for me a, a new setup we're still working through everything right but we still have a couple things in the old setup we actually have live fish in the background here so if you want to check that out over on the youtube channel you're more than welcome and if you're listening in audio form you just want to stick with audio you're not missing out it's the same show both audio and video here today though we have a jam-packed locked on nfl episode so we're gonna be talking throughout the preseason action that we saw on just over the course of the weekend and we're first going to be talking with Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans about Malik Willis and Will Levis and if they showed that they have the potential to be the real deal at the NFL level then we're going to be talking with Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints about if the Saints are the clear-cut NFC South favorites and finally we'll move on to John Hickman of Locked On Texans will be taking us through CJ Stroud's preseason debut so without any further ado let's first dive into our conversation with Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans. The Tennessee Titans have a pair of young quarterbacks and they got to see them in action for the first time in 2023 over the weekend here to talk about that with me is Tyler Rowland, the host over at locked on Titans and Tyler. I know a lot of people in Tennessee were excited to see what Malik Willis and Will Levis brought to the table for the Titans and in their first preseason game. I think they both showed a lot. Willis going 16 to 25, a lot of action for him. 189 in interception with Levis 9 for 14, 85 in interception. Let's start with Willis. What'd you see from him in his second season here? First start. Well, I think he's just playing with a, a, a totally different pace. Honestly, w- what I would say is look at last year as a red shirt year for Malik Willis. I know he started three games and he got to play and all of that, but there, there's really no reason that he should have been out on the field if the Titans had any kind of decent situation at quarterback. So uh, I, I would look at Malik Willis as a rookie right now and with that context I thought he did a very good job compared to last year getting the ball out of his hands a lot quicker he made some good reads that are boring throws but they're throws that he didn't necessarily make with consistency last year Uh, along with some of that boring stuff consistency that you want to see he also did show the flashes that you wanted from a guy like Malik Willis that has incredible traits a really strong arm Obviously, the mobility, he escaped a couple of times, was able to set the Titans up for a a big first down in the red zone on their opening scoring drive, and then ultimately took it into the end zone himself on a read option, which is utilizing that mobility. He also made some great throws to the sideline that that moved the chains for the Titans. So I think that it it wasn't perfect. Uh, He still holds the ball a little bit too long. There's some decision-making issues in terms of how quickly He's getting to the target and making the decision to throw the ball. Some opportunities that were missed, I would guess. And there were some turnovers. There was a a pass that was way too high 
Uh, maybe the tight end could have caught it, but either way, you would want the throw to be lower on that. That turned into an interception. A couple of times he got stripped in the uh, in the backfield, in the pocket. So there's good and bad, but improved from last year. And I think that's what's most important for Malik Willis going forward. Yeah, and, and you mentioned the fact to kind of treat this as a essentially a rookie year for Malik Willis. Yeah. But on the yeah, other I side of that, for the actual rookie in Will Levis, right. how did he right. look to you? Yeah, I think that Levis, same thing. You saw the flashes of what he did well at Kentucky, but you also saw flashes of what he didn't do so well and what he needs to work on. I think it's um, Mike Vrabel talked about in his press conference on Sunday that Will Levis just needs to kind of take what the defense has given him um, in, in a paraphrase way. He doesn't need to force things. There are a few throws, a throw on the sideline that hit the hands of a defensive back that could have been intercepted early where if he just goes to a second read, you're not making that mistake. You got a guy open, but he's so confident in his arm and his ability because he does have that strong arm and quick release that sometimes he's just like, hey, I'm fitting that in there. And that can be awesome sometimes and generate some great plays, but sometimes it can get you in trouble. So I would say that he needs to just work on not trying to make too big of a play all the time, but he showed that lightning quick release, that flick of the wrist, able to get velocity on the ball. He showed the ability to add mobility to that as well. I mean, he was able to navigate a little bit in the pocket. The Titans' backup offensive line struggled mightily in this game with the Bears' backup defensive line. Um, so he he was running around out there and having to move around. I thought there were some circumstances where Levis showed you everything and he gave you the pocket mobility, a little bit of athleticism, plus you get the strong arm, the off-platform throws, and some of the plays that he made were just a, a few inches away from really being a great highlight and a, a, and a nice play in his film. But um, you saw the traits there, even if the plays didn't necessarily work out exactly. So I know, I know it's kind of uh, playing both sides of it here, but the, the reality is both of them had some really nice plays and both of them had some, some pretty bad plays, including an interception for Levis as well. So uh, it, it it was a, a good performance, but we're not talking about anybody challenging Ryan Tannehill yet, certainly. Right, and I think I think it's a little too early to maybe say, are, are these guys the real deal off of one 2023 preseason game? Levis is obviously first NFL action that's live and right, full speed. Right. But did, did their performances exceed your expectations for what you were maybe expecting in this game? You know, I, I can't say that that it did. They missed a couple of easy throws. Like, I don't think that anybody set themselves apart, I guess. I don't think that anybody made it clear and obvious, hey, I'm a lot better. I said on Locked on Titans immediately after the game that if I was a, a boxing judge, which I, I don't know that I would want to be with the way boxing judges work, but uh, I, I would score the fight 10-9 to 9 Willis. I, th I thought Willis flashed a little bit more. Now, Willis did get a drive with the first team offensive line that they were able to go down and score, and a lot of his good plays came from that drive. Um, and Levis didn't get that opportunity with the first team offensive line, so that would be fair to point out. But I thought both, uh, both of them, again, had their ups and downs, but Willis just had a little bit more consistency for me. He, he moved the ball down the field with his offenses a little bit more throughout the game. So that, that's, that's what I would say. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call him the real deal. Quite yet, but I would give the edge to Willis ten to nine is what I would call it if I was a, a boxing judge. Well, let, let, let me let me let me ask another question then for the Titans and maybe what you're envisioning their future. Could mm -hmm. you see Malik Willis 
or will Levis being the guy for them if they can continue to grow and continue to grow upon the flashes that you've seen? Well, I think it's definitely possible. I mean, it would take more development. I think more importantly than anything, you would need a better offensive line, even the Titans' first string offensive line. I think you would need uh, some better protection up front for one of these young guys to really be able to blossom and, and, and grow as much as they would need to to be that starter for you. But right now, I think that that's still an open question. I don't think anybody could speak with any certainty that either Will Levis or Malik Willis are capable of being a starting quarterback in the NFL next year or be the future quarterback of the Tennessee Titans. I think the jury's still out on that, but I think that we saw progression from Malik Willis and we saw enough from Will Levis in their first preseason action that you can't rule out that happening as well. And I think that that's a small victory for the Titans at this time. Yeah, I think I'd call your analysis healthy expectations, which is a lost art <laughs> in, in today's analysis world. So I appreciate right. you having that that view on it. But other than the quarterbacks, Tyler, who else impressed you or who else had good games for Tennessee in this preseason game for the Titans in week one? Well, I would point to two rookies. Uh, the first-round pick for the Tennessee Titans, Peter Skaronsky, and then their third-round pick, Tajay Spears, the running back out of Tulane. Spears had six carries for 32 yards on the first drive of the game with the first-team offense. He showed a great ability to cut back if something wasn't there on the front side and be able to get yards to the backside. He also took a toss uh, for, for a big chunk gain over 10 yards, was able to stiff arm a veteran and Eddie Jackson. And he just really looked the part in an NFL game. Tajay Spears played the first drive on offense and didn't go back out on offense the rest of the day. We've seen enough. He caught a pass for four yards, but still showed the ability to get out of the backfield and, and, and run routes and catch the ball. And he also returned a kick for 22 yards to, to open the game and look pretty, pretty comfortable there. So I would say Tajay Spears and, like I said, Peter Skaronsky, on the offensive line. Offensive line play isn't always the hottest topic, Kevin, but uh, we talk about offensive line quite a bit on the Locked On Titans podcast. And Peter Skaronsky, the Titans are varying their run game now more than they have in years past. They're going to use some gap run with some pullers and some down blocks. They're going to use some outside zone and some inside zone as well like they have been running. And Peter Skaronsky showed the ability to move his man in the run game no matter what kind of scheme they're running. So uh, I thought that was pretty impressive. And the Titans offensive line overall, um, zero sacks, only one pressure, led that offense 75 yards down down the field to score to start the game. Uh, I would say they were pretty impressive in this one. A major shout-out to Tyler for hopping on, talking Titans and Malik Willis and Levis, and, of course, more on Tyler's work. Be sure to go check out the Locked On Titans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up in the second part of the show, though, we're going to be diving into a conversation with Ross Jackson talking about if the Saints are the clear-cut favorites in the NFC South Division. So be sure to stay tuned. We'll have to get to Unlocked on NFL. But first, this episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. And August is here, and you know what that means. It's the official start of Fantasy Football Drafting Month. So get championship ready for your home league by trying out best ball of Underdog Fantasy. All you do is one live snake draft. There are no waivers, no trades. Underdog sets your best lineup every single week. And Underdog is the easiest place to play fantasy football and the best place for Best Ball, Best Ball Mania 4 is the largest fantasy football tournament ever. You can try it out with Underdog's Best Ball Mania tournament. The largest fantasy football contest of all time is back and even bigger with $15 million of total prizes up for grabs, including an absurd $3 million going to the winner. Last year, the winner drafted their team in July, so don't wait around. Visit UnderdogFantasy.com or find them in the App Store and sign up with promo code LOCKEDON to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. is Underdog Fantasy promo code LOCKEDON. 
We're back here, our second segment of Locked On NFL. Kevin Ostriker still here with you. We talked with Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans. We're not going to talk with Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints about an outlook for the Saints this year and what Ross saw in the Saints' first preseason game. Plus, the, the weird situation with Kareem Hunt and Anthony Barr when they're signing a Jalen Smith. Tons of Saints to get to now with Ross. The New Orleans Saints are a team to watch this year in the NFC. Here to talk about them a little bit more with me is Ross Jackson, the host of Locked On Saints, and of course, one of the hosts over at Locked On NFL. You see him every Tuesday or most Tuesdays here on this show. But Ross, I'm excited to talk Saints. You were so good last week. I had to have you back again (laughs) this week. Is you know, we talked a little bit about the Alvin Kamara suspension, but the Saints Mm -hmm. are they were in the news again over the course of this past week with the kind of weird situation that happened with Kareem Hunt and Anthony Barr. (laughs) By all reports, it seemed like both guys were coming to New Orleans. The, the deals were done. And then there was a backtrack. And all of a sudden, they're they're not members of the Saints. What, what, what kind of went on there with those two? Yeah, it was a really interesting day. Kind of a, a little bit of a whirlwind. Um, a- after just sort of experience with the legal tampering period before free agency officially opens up, those kind of couple of days, I've learned that if I see a report out there that says expected to sign, to just wait. Wait until we locally get the news that they have signed and then act on that. So this is one of those kind of disconnects that happen sometime nationally versus locally. Where like we can sit back in the cut and wait and like the team will let us know what we need to know. Whereas everybody else is kind of scrambling to be first. And so we're able to avoid that a little bit and just play the local expert side of it of like, I'm going to just wait and see what happens because Anthony Barr has a history of doing this. Like Anthony Barr was a guy in, in one of the few examples of guys that are out there who during the legal tampering period or the early negotiating period of free agency agreed to terms to go to one team and then circle back and went back to the Minnesota Vikings. And so when I saw that the reports that expected to sign, we kind of knew that that wasn't fully there yet. And so waited to see. And then inevitably, neither of these guys signed. And the reasons why, um, Kareem Hunt ended up getting a phone call and an offer from the Indianapolis Colts before he stepped foot on the field to even do the workout here in New Orleans. And because that offer was more than what New Orleans was offering, his representation, doing a good job, doing the right thing, told him, hey, don't even step foot on that practice field. We're going to Indianapolis. So they dipped without even working out here. Anthony Barr worked out and passed his physical but did not get signed. So what we don't know is, was there a a contract dispute that led to him not signing or was the team not interested? And I think now that the Saints have signed former Dallas Cowboys and um, New York Giants linebacker Jalen Smith kind of tells us that maybe the team wasn't as interested. Yeah, it's it's such a weird situation that happened. And you're right, Anthony Barr, there is a history with him doing yep. this. So whether that was the Saints or Anthony Barr, we, we just might not ever know about how that all went down. But you mentioned Jalen Smith, the former Cowboy, former Giants linebacker. He's been a couple places. He signed in New Orleans. What does he bring to the Saints and what kind of prompted their move there? I'll add former Green Bay Packer to his to yes. his resume there too, so that no Green Bay's pack no Green Bay Packers fans are upset. But I, I think that what Jalen Smith gives you is something that Anthony Barr wasn't going to be able to give you as a New Orleans Saints. The Saints are trying to figure out who their next off ball or coverage linebacker is behind Demario Davis and Pete Werner, their starters. And Dennis Allen, the New Orleans Saints head coach, told us during his post training camp presser 
like one of the practice days that they're trying to figure out who that is. And they don't know right now who that is. And so that's kind of a shot across the bow to a couple of guys that are on this roster that are vying for that spot. But now the Saints go out there and they add Jalen Smith, who has a history of being a coverage linebacker. Is Does he have the speed and is he agile as he was when he was with Notre Dame before the injuries? No, but if the New Orleans Saints feel like, hey, 28 years old, still has some stuff left in the tank, still has some speed, some of that agileness that they really like, some of that agility that they really like, and could come in with NFL experience, that's probably going to compete with the guys that are behind Demario Davis and Pete Werner right now. So basically what they've done now is that they've added experience to that battle and get a real opportunity over the course of the next couple of weeks, especially with two different sets of joint practices right around the corner for New Orleans, for Jalen Smith to be able to maybe figure out how to impress. Yeah, and I know the Saints are always looking for opportunities for us to improve that roster, come in and, and fill weaknesses. But I know when talking about the NFC in particular, I don't think it's as strong as the AFC this year, but I think that Ooh. opens an opportunity for teams like the Saints who are kind of like a dark horse contender for me right now. To me, I think that when you look across their division, Ross, you have the Bucks, the, the Panthers, and the Falcons. All three of those teams have quarterback questions in terms of guys that can either take the next step or just be consistent. Whereas the Saints went out there and brought in Derek Carr. And obviously it takes more than a quarterback, but quarterback is the most important position on the roster, right. 100%. So do you think that the Saints right now are the clear-cut NFC South favorites as we head into this 2023 season? Yeah, I think going into the year, they have to be, um, you know, veteran uh, quarterback. You look at, you know, you look at everybody that's expected to start around the NFC South. And even if you expect it to be Baker Mayfield down in Tampa, which there's just no winning in that situation if you're Tampa. But if it's Baker Mayfield, if it's Bryce Young, the rookie in Carolina, if it's the second year man in Atlanta and Desmond Ritter, Derek Carr has got more experience than all of them combined. And so I think that that's one of those things that gives you sort of that confidence in the New Orleans Saints. You also look at the fact that they, based on last year's win-loss record, they have the easiest schedule in the NFL. Based on the projection, the projected win-loss records of the teams they play this year, they have the second uh, second easiest schedule in the NFL. And the, the best quarterback that they play all season is Trevor Lawrence, who's as close to an A-tier quarterback without being an A-tier quarterback in the NFL. But then after that, it's... Kirk Cousins and Jared Goff. They play 13 games indoors, including most of them here in New Orleans. I mean, it's just one of those things to where the it feels like kind of the perfect storm of positivity for a change here in New Orleans than what we've seen over the course of the past couple of years, which has been more so a perfect storm of uh, negativity. Uh, and I know I probably shouldn't be using storm analogies here in new orleans but hey i'm from here i can say it if i want to okay like it's well to take it a step further ross about the standing projections for this team where do you stack them up in the whole conference yeah i think in the conference i would still put them i mean obviously if they win the division they're a top four team in the conference right but i imagine the nfc east is probably going to have you know they sent three teams to the to the playoffs last year could they do that again this year so even if we expect that then they're a top six top seven team in the NFC. And I think that that's a good place to put them. The NFC North is not what they used to be. The NFC East is going to be excellent this year. The NFC West has a good team in the San Francisco 49ers. The Rams are going to be a dumpster fire. Probably the, I know people within that organization that think that they're going to win three games this year. Uh, there's, you know, teams like the Arizona Cardinals, which are basically a JV team at this point. And then the Seattle Seahawks kind of, you know, are going to go by, Hey, was Geno Smith season, 
really good last year or did they just get lucky? You know what I mean? And I, I believe greatly in Geno Smith. So even if they're good, then you're looking at a top seven team in New Orleans. So I think that that's probably where I would put them. And I think that's the place where they belong. I don't think they're a top three team. I don't think they're a top two team. I don't think they're the best team in the conference, but I could see them as one of those teams that is in the playoffs because they deserve to be in the playoffs. Not like last year's NFC South, where you just happen to go eight and nine and luck yourself into a division win. Yeah, I know that the division last year was a little bit of a dumpster fire, all, all things considered. I, I don't expect it to be that way this year. I know you don't either, Ross. But with this team, they kicked off their preseason. They, they ended up getting a 26-24 win over the defending champs in the Kansas City Chiefs. So by proxy, they're the Super Bowl champions since 100%. they beat the, since they beat the, the Chiefs there. But what did you like out of that game? What did you take away from it? Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway out of there, aside from like the concerns that I that I walked away with, which were like depth concerns, offensive line concerns, things like that, like it wasn't all pretty. Uh, but I think the biggest thing that you take away from it is that the offense, the starting offense with Derek Carr looked like what you wanted the starting offense with Derek Carr to look like. He goes six of eight. It's a 12 play, 85 yard drive, even though it started off with a false start. Welcome to New Orleans where penalties happen. Um, and then you look at sort of the the connection between him and his starting tight end, him and his running back, him and multiple receivers, you know, spreading the wealth. You saw a swing pass to like running to starting running back Alvin Gray. You just saw things that were a little bit more like what you're accustomed to seeing from the New Orleans Saints offense. And I think that, that there was a lot there that you saw from Derek Carr and their ability to execute over in the offensive side that makes you excited for what this team could be in 2023. Ross always brings the Saints insight. You know, we had him on last week. We got we had to get him back on to talk about everything related to the Saints. And of course, more on Ross's work. Be sure to check him out over from the Locked On Saints or the Locked On NFL podcast here, part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day. We still have more to get to though on today's show. We're going to be talking with John Hickman of Locked On Texans to round out the episode about CJ Stroud and how he looked in his preseason debut. Show be sure to stay tuned. So much still to get to on Locked On NFL. I'll be right back. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. And football season is about to kick off, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use your bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So if you're feeling good about maybe the Bengals' chances to win, the Chiefs' chances, maybe the, even the Ravens' chances, you can go bet on them over at FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. We're back rounding out locked on NFL here on Monday. Kevin Ostraker still here talking football with you. And we're going to get into our conversation now with John Hickman of Locked On Texans. CJ Stroud was the second overall pick by Houston. A lot riding on his shoulders for this franchise. And we'll talk about what he showed in his first preseason game with John coming up now. Well, the Houston Texans got their first glimpse of their new, hopefully, franchise quarterback in C.J. Stroud in the preseason. Here to talk about that with me and much more Texans is John Hickman, one of the hosts over at Locked On Texans. And, John, I'm excited to have you back on. I know a lot of people in Houston were excited for the preseason debut of C.J. Stroud. Now, stat-wise, didn't necessarily go totally according to plan. Two of four, 13 yards and an interception for C.J. But what did you see and what could you take away from the limited action you saw out of yeah, one of the things that I saw, the use of his legs, uh, Laramie Tunsil didn't play. Titus Howard is out with a hand injury. You got a rookie center. 
a sophomore left guard who's missed a lot of time. Uh, George fan, Austin Dickless out of uh, LSU, the sophomore tackle. He didn't get no playing time last year. So the offensive line wasn't the best of situations. And he was not scared to use his legs. Uh, that had been a knock on CJ Stroud for his career. We saw it a lot in that Georgia game. And so to see that continue, I think it's promising. Also on the interception, uh, what I really did like was he took a shot downfield. Um, after the game, he mentioned that he probably should have took that check down to the tight end. The difference between that tight end and Tank Dale, I think, was about maybe 10 to 11 yards. And so I like the read. If he would have gotten that pass out immediately off the break and didn't double clutch on that pass, I think that would have been a great uh, a great connection between him and Tank Dale. Tank Dale had a great night. But I wasn't mad at the pass. Honestly, it ended up in being an interception. I like that he's taking the shot downfield, something that he did at Ohio State, something that Houston hasn't had a lot of in the past couple of seasons. Yeah, and you mentioned Tank Dell, who you talked about had a great game there. I know Houston's been looking for wide receiver options to step up in recent years. Obviously, Brandon Cooks has kind of been the guy, but he's now in Dallas. So Tank Dell has an opportunity to earn a lot of snaps here in Houston, John. What would you like from him? Five for 65 and a touchdown from him. What I liked the most was uh, everybody in the nation is confused on his height, 5'8", 5'10". It's been going up and down, man. So uh, nobody knows the real height of Tank Dell. But what I like the most is uh, his communication with Davis Mills, telling Davis, hey, listen, get the pass up. You know, let's give me some space. And when he got us some space, the slant route, I think he took about 15 yards. Uh, he's dangerous. He, he, he is dangerous in space. That's why Houston likes him. I was – impressed with how he was able to continue to thrive with a free release off the line of scrimmage and overall his hands like that touchdown was a very difficult catch pulled it in you know ideally you want to see him catch it on the initial contact of the ball but he still scored and so Tank Dale was a guy that throughout uh, training camp excuse me he's had some good moments you just love to see him put it all together on the field uh in a live game yeah, and that's where it is now because, you know, we've been through a couple weeks of training camp practice, but it's different in a live full-speed setting like that. So for Tank Dell to put it all together, there, there were a lot of good wide receivers in that draft class. Tank Dell was personally one of my favorites, so I'm excited to see what he does over there in Houston, John. But what about the defense? that They held the Patriots to nine points. Were there some defensive playmakers who stood out to you in that game? Oh, man, absolutely. The addition of Denzel Perriman uh, came on that delay blitz, picked up the sack. HT, man, Henry Toto, Alabama, he was everywhere, popping off the screen. And then just getting an opportunity to see Will Anderson get some action in on the field between him and Jonathan Gennard. Uh, we've been seeing Will Anderson throughout camp, and he's been as good as advertised. Like, right now, I don't question that trade. I don't doubt that trade. He's been that good. And so to see him get active – Overall, I think the interior, the interior defensive line stood out the most to me because I thought that was maybe the weakest of that unit going into uh, preseason. Had a very good game. So uh, overall, everybody was flying, hitting fast, and uh, disciplined on defense, and that's exactly what D'Amico Ryan wants. Yeah, and I know it's it's you don't make it like pure predictions off of preseason because obviously there aren't guys playing, and it's it's a good time to see depth pieces, but. How have your expectations for the Texans, John, kind of formed over the course of these past couple of weeks? What, what are you looking to see from the squad in 2023? A, a very tough team. Um, Sunday's 
training camp practice, Devin Singleton and Christian Harris got into a scuffle. And when D'Amico Ryans was asked about it, he said, finally. So this is a team that wants to be tough, wants to establish that that ferociousness. Um, I can't wait to continue to see them play against other teams. But I think overall, that's what you're going to get out this Houston, Texas squad, man. Like a, a tough team on both sides of the ball. The defense will carry it. The offense is going to go through its learning curves. Rookie quarterback, rookie OC, but they'll be okay. Definitely a better product compared to the past couple of seasons. Yeah, I think the roster's a lot better this year. They have a lot of young pieces to be excited about. But we started with CJ Stroud, John. Let's end with them too. What are your expectations for him this year, and what do you want to see? Limited turnovers. Um, him getting comfortable in that offense um, and taking some shots downfield. Don't allow the difference in situations to take away some of the things that you do best. And CJ Stroud was a very good deep ball passer. So I want to continue to see him be a good deep ball passer at the NFL level. Great analysis there by John as he provided that CJ Stroud insight and some expectations for Houston heading into 2023. And of course, if you want to check out more of resort, be sure to check him out over at the Locked On Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked On NFL. Thank you so much for tuning in. When we get back here tomorrow, it's more NFL content, of course, with your Tuesday host. So be sure to stay tuned. We'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked On NFL.